So this week we're talking about how procurement can tackle inflation. Uh, we have our usual panelists, Kirsty, Martin, and myself, and we also have a special guest, Tracy Giblin Kelly, who runs her own accountancy practice and is finance director at Novocaine. So yeah, I think uh, it's clear to say that inflation is all over the news. I had a little look earlier, and um, yeah, there's a, a lot of news stories going on. CPI is up to seven percent of the UK. We've got a cost of living crisis, uh, fuel prices going up. Food prices going up, still shortages due to global supply chain disruption. And last week we discussed the, the talent shortage. So that means uh, this significant wage inflation in some sectors. So the good news is this is an opportunity for procurement to be centre stage again. But the bad news is uh, it's probably not a particularly easy one to fix. But before we get into the impact this is having on procurement, I thought it'd be great to get Tracy to talk through some of the, the economics and the background to this uh, inflation situation. Thank you. Um, hi, everybody. So it's been an interesting time, absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. I think in I don't remember anything like it in my lifetime. I think the last time this happened, I was way too young to remember and just went out to play on my bike and my parents worried about it. But when the Chancellor stood up for the spring statement, he announced that inflation was likely to get to 7.2% later this year. Um, I'm sure you've all heard just back in March a few weeks ago, the Bank of England revised that and said, actually, we're going to probably be near at 8% in the coming weeks. And it's probably going to increase even further as we go throughout the year. It's It will reduce, we'd like to think, getting a crystal ball, that we're going to be going back to inflation nearer 2%, but we're years away from that. And the price increases we're seeing that are soaring some of them are going to stay. We are going to be stuck with these price increases for years to come. Some of them are never going to come back down. And for me, I have to look at it in terms of what happens to people personally, what happens to businesses, how does it impact employees? Because at the end of the day, as we all know, economics, inflation, it's about the high street, in inverted commas, the old footfall people spending, supply, demand. When supply is high and demand is low, obviously the prices aren't impacted. So right now what we're seeing is prices going up massively, not only through a supply shortage because of the demand, but also because of the impact of some of the crazy things that we've been through in the last few years. So why are we sat here today? What is going on? covid and generally, everybody goes, everything's blamed on COVID. But what was it about COVID that has contributed towards, contributed towards this situation? Well, it's basically because during that time, most of the manufacturing was slowed down. It ceased. And we are so dependent upon what comes out of the East that we are in a position whereby we don't have the supply coming into the country. We've got demand post-COVID. So all of that production dropped down, supplies back high, there's a gap. It drives the prices up. We then have, obviously, what is happening with the oil and gas prices. And that was happening pre-Ukraine. And why was that happening? It was all because manufacturing was starting again. It was starting to increase the demand. Even during COVID, I was speaking with clients who work in a medical field and needed to make a, um, a bench to conduct treatment within various labs. They couldn't get the raw materials. 
because they're just not in demand. They're available because the demand wasn't there in COVID. They used up everything that was sat in store pile and in warehouses. So where are we going now? Well, it is inevitable in autumn, consumer price energy caps are going to go through the roof. We're going to be hit. So people are going to have less money in their pocket. They're going to have less to spend. So if businesses continue to increase their prices, at some point, demand is going to drop off and businesses are going to get squeezed. So we have to monitor pricing. We have to monitor spending for the consumer so that a business can still operate. Can't just keep pushing these price increases through to the people on the high street. You have to manage and control it. And with those cuts in spending, we're seeing interest rates increasing to try and curb the spending. But that always takes a long time to flow through. So as I sit here today, I, I speak to various clients, everything from somebody who's a sole trader to somebody who just does a personal tax return because they have one extra little bit of income, right up to research and development businesses, entertainment. We're all sitting there looking at all the prices, looking at everything, and we're looking at business plans and predominantly cash flows. Not so much what's happening on a profit and loss basis, but what is going on on a cash flow basis. Can we service the debt that's been taken on through COVID? How do we make a pound last longer? And from my perspective, it's from a business point of view, it is actually easier sometimes to put a pound on the top line, but you still need to manage the costs because I'm sensitizing every bit of cash flow. When I speak to my personal tax clients and even those owner-managed businesses, I always ask them, have you done your own household budget? And they are now listening more and doing a household budget and understanding there's got to be a balance. So mm. right now, we are heading into probably one of the worst crises I've known. And we have to address what's happening whilst maintaining our personal sanity and protecting our businesses by accepting some margin erosion, but not being stuck going forward with these continued price increases. And for me, that's where procurement have a critical role to work alongside finance because that then protects the company. And if the company can protect itself and give suppliers certainty for future, then you can protect your customers by giving them certainty on pricing. And then we can create some level of stabilization. Okay. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, I think so. I guess the... One of the questions and one of the key areas here is what what procurement teams should be doing to mitigate inflation. Um, Who wants to take that one? Kirsty, did you want to talk through? Yeah, so I see it as a, I mean, mitigating inflation, mitigating cost increases. I think there's a few things that um, procurement can be doing. Um, And I'm just going to pick a couple and then open it up. But for me, it's things like going back to basics. So have a look at your categories, reprioritize them. You know, what is it, you know, where are your challenges? So prioritise them by risk and exposure. So what are you buying? What's your material? What's your makeup of that? If you're seeing increases, you know, look at the total pie, 
what percentage of that product or service actually has that element. If somebody's saying, I want a 20% increase, and actually that only relates to 5% of the goods or service, kick back and say, no, mm. be more proactive. Um, you know, quick action, send messages out, quick RFPs and quick sourcing activity. You know, just think differently, think outside the box. I've got quite a few others, but um, I think it's about, this is where we can step into our agility and flexibility as procurement function now uh, and mm -hmm. start to work differently. Really interesting that Tracy said there, work with finance. I think that's, it's pivotal in this. And it's not just finance, it's everybody, your production teams, operation planning. It, it's the whole lot. It's got to be a joint enterprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interested. Sorry, can I ask a question on you that, Kirsty, from what you said? And one of the things I was thinking about from a finance perspective and also holistically, strategically looking is that, yes, we need to categorise our spend, categorise the suppliers, but it's a really interesting time to actually, and this is the finance person, I'm not looking for the cheapest, I'm looking for what sits longer term with the organisation, but it's time to evaluate, is it not? the suppliers that are being used, the, if we're having massive costs for shipping, can we not start addressing sustainability by having suppliers more local and closer to home to support our own ecosystem economy locally? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of things there to unpick. So definitely the global local conversation has to happen in times like this. Um, sustainability, yes, because that's about the long term. I think it's things like, revisiting your contracts so what have you got in the contract with a supplier and if you're not extracting the full value out of that contract i.e there's value add in there that can mitigate some of that increase so you can get a benefit over here if that's something that we should be doing more and more it's one of my pet peeves when we do contracts and we never revisit them and we've left because we've gone into this hard negotiation and we've put so much into it and we've got so much value out of it. And then we hand it over to the operational owner and we never look at it again. But in times like this where we could get more value, we could get additional services, additional help. That's really important, too. Um, but definitely it's all of that stuff. You know, there's no there's no rules in this scenario. This is a make or break kind of operation. It, it's it, it, where do we want to be? Is our goal to be here? Is this business still going to be here in three and five years time? How are we going to ride this wave? Because like you've just said, it's not likely to come back down anytime soon. So this isn't a this isn't a April 2022 problem. This is a this is a one to three year plan problem. This is a much broader conversation. And it can't like you you know, I say this again, it's not about let's get a pence off this and a penny off this component. That 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 conversation it, it just isn't for this particular scenario. No, I, I think also I think I was just gonna say, I think also it comes around to the communication and setting expectations internally within the business. I think more than ever, so we've seen it, that sort of cross-functional communication from procurement into ops, into supply chain, and obviously outwardly bound to the suppliers as well. I think that's more important than it's ever been. And I think, you know, managing that really upfront, ensuring there's a clear process. I agree with you around the local sourcing. We're seeing a lot more of that in supply chain at the moment. That's definitely a, a, a tool uh, that, that's being utilized within businesses. But I think my view on that and you guys are the practitioners on this but i think it's also around procurement to be managing 
um, or looking at sort of price stability and supplier stability as well. I think it's their role. It should be our role and the role of procurement to try and get that. I know that's not a quick fix in all businesses. Depends on the sector. Depends on the complexity of your supply chain. But I think trying to find that um, that kind of price stability, supply stability is is something that I know a lot of CPOs that I talk to are trying to do at the moment and navigate their way around that. I think um, I want to agree with what you said, Kirsty, in terms of the suppliers, understanding stakeholders. Obviously, working with finance is absolutely critical at the moment, and we've had a nice day session talking about finance stuff. But the supplier piece is is is, is pretty critical, and. Obviously, acknowledging that every business is being squeezed at the moment. Every business has to buy stuff. Every business has to sell stuff. So having those, having that dialogue, having that ongoing discussion with suppliers about how is it impacting you? What are you doing differently? Are you looking to automate? Are you looking to drive efficiencies? How can we work together? How can you help us? How can we help you? Um, more collaboration. And I think now is the time for contract management. Now is the time for supplier relationship management. Like you say, Martin, more than ever, this is when we have to focus on those relationships and communication. Totally. And I think that's that's definitely one of the reasons why, um, Kirstie, as you said, when you're um, categorising the supply base, looking at who are your more strategic suppliers, doing more work with those guys in, in order to uh, review the sort of specifications, review how the provision of services from their side uh, and look at, yeah, as you say, opportunities to uh, you know, engineer that in a different way. Um, you know, re really, there's a lot of things that probably haven't been challenged for quite a long time. Although saying that COVID was probably one time where we did go around and challenge quite a lot. But if there's anything out there that's still difficult for the organisation to accept a, a different level of service, then this is definitely the time to be reviewing that because, uh, yeah, we need to need to work differently and, and more more smartly in order to, to, to sort of get through this. Um, do you think this is a time for increased collaboration? So we've always talked about mm. people collaborating, but organizations, maybe maybe competitors, maybe maybe just organizations that you have within your supply chain, but working together to find out look, if we can we leverage our spend, can we do things differently? Doing more supplier days, but doing them not on your own, doing them with other organizations in again in mm. a more collaborative way. Um, I saw a note from Jason, obviously on the supply diversity piece, but is this a time then to also consider working with completely different kinds of organizations, like we said, local, um, but ones that are more innovative, maybe more agile, um, that can bring something else different to market, that can maybe help you pivot a little bit so that you can help address some of those issues when it comes to price inflation. So, Yeah, definitely, yeah. I'm always a big fan of innovation. So, uh, yeah, I think, um, yeah, working with different suppliers, yeah, definitely suppliers with lower cost base are obviously you know they're in a better position to weather this you other firms with larger cost bases they've got more more inputs they need to be working with there so i think are we seeing sorry yeah. from a finance perspective obviously looking at squeezing margins finance isn't always as i said earlier about the cheapest it isn't always about because at the end of the day we're the ones who have to sit in front of potentially the board the auditors and say yes the business has longevity yes there is going concern yes we have uninterrupted supply so yes it's about getting a good deal but procurement i would want them to say hey tracy these are the deal this is where we stand with the contracts these are the price rises here you go i know it's not what you want but now you've got something you can manage so i've got no surprises but then I want to know there is that uninterrupted supply of a good or a service coming through the company 
so that I can sit with confidence and go, we can achieve those sales. Because if we've just got cost in and something happens with supply, can't deliver, I can't get cash in, working capital, I'm having a different conversation with the auditors. So procurement don't just need to squeeze the margins. It is much, much bigger than that from a finance perspective. And the worst thing that finance people do not like surprises. So even if it's bad news, tell us it's bad news. We may throw our toys out the pram, but we can then go away and manage it and figure out what we're going to do. How would you recommend procurement gets involved in budgeting, the budgeting period, forecasting? Oh, God, finance? absolutely. It's absolutely critical. What we need to know is what are the critical supplies that we must not have interrupted? Don't worry about necessarily legal, but for those critical product purchases or critical service, because what we'll do is we will sit with the heads of departments and we'll ask them what they're going to spend. We'll look at what they've spent year on year, look at trends. But I don't want to be going to get quotes. I don't. I want procurement to go out and do it. If we're saying that piece of work to upgrade an IT system, oh, we reckon 20,000. Well, if you go out and get three quotes and tell it me 40 grand, then that's got to go into the budget. So you should be involved in elements of the budget absolutely i think it also helps with savings targets i think if you're able to get involved in the budgeting period and you'll be able to get the savings into the budget rather than overlaying the budget actually stakeholders and operational heads are more likely to help you deliver it as well and hearing yeah. the word savings is joy to my ear <laughs> because normally in the budget people want to spend 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 so having somebody come in to go actually i can save you 10 percent happy days <laughs> It's a bit of a myth, I think, in a lot. I mean, my experience has been positive in that way. I've always had the opportunity to talk within the budget, but I don't think all procurement functions have that at their fingertips at this point in time. So, again, it comes back to what Kavita was saying and Martin. How do you make a relationship here that means you can still sort of plant the seeds and, and talk to the right people so that gets filtered back up, even if you can't sit in that overall budget sort of forum? Um I think it's interesting. Jason's just put a, another question on about encouraging um, suppliers to to put a nominal RPI increase. Um, Isn't that what we normally try and negotiate out? Yeah, so from, it's a, from a supplier side, isn't it? that's like a it's a bit of a red flag. We'd be like, uh, so money for old rope. You're just putting a four percent increase in there. We don't really know what's happening with the market, so. I guess from a supplier's position, yes, you try and get that in. But from a buying position, historically, that's always been a no-no. Now, I guess, if we're going to forecast out that we're going to be at 6% possibly for the next three years, that's a different conversation. Mm. But maybe yeah, that's yeah. where transparency kicks no. in. Yeah, it's definitely. Not, I don't agree with that clause because I agree with it if you're purchasing a product that has significant raw materials that is going to have delivery so therefore there will need to be packaging there'll be oil and gas utilized but why on earth am i going to say to the company auditors that's fine you can increase my cost by seven percent it's like hold on a minute you're doing 90 percent of it virtually you can't use that clause because sometimes the provision of a service is very different to the provision of a product so whenever a price increase comes through I would expect procurement to somehow break that down and go, 
okay, what is it they're charging us for? And is this a reasonable price increase? And going back to what you said about procurement not always being involved, I think there's a real lack of understanding in businesses about what procurement do. And that's about educating finance, heads of departments, you know, and other people in the business to go, actually, take the word procurement out. This is what we do. And this is what we can deliver to you. So we have to state the obvious. Why do you think that's the case? Because this is an ongoing debate we have in the procurement world around stakeholder engagement and you know explaining our value as a finance director or somebody who works in many businesses and has experience in that space. What's your experience of procurement coming to you and telling you what they do? And- so procurement have always come forward, have been, they're always seen, and this is me, this is royal they, but in my experience, it's all been about we go out and we spend the money. We negotiate the terms and we deliver. And I think it's just an old-fashioned viewpoint of what procurement used to be going back 10, 15 years, whereas now procurement need to position themselves as being, and I do it with my clients, and I sit there in business and I've done it in corporate. I say I'm here and I work alongside clients. I work alongside businesses. So procurement need to stop saying, if you don't, this is me being opinionated, which I said I would be, need to stop saying I'm procurement and I, this is what we do. Procurement come in and you are a partner, a business partner. You work alongside them to help yeah. them achieve their goals. And if you can educate in that way and talk about being a partner working alongside you're going to get the buy-in from FDs, you know, heads of departments and those who don't understand what procurement truly is. It's changing your wording and how you engage with the people and then saying to them, let me come to a meeting or this is how I can help or giving them tips. And it's about building trust and it's about building a relationship for someone to know that you're not going to go in and take over negotiations because ultimately that's what people are frightened of. They're going, this person's going to come in and steal my thunder. And that's what they're scared of doing. So when I worked in defense, I had a whole host of contract managers and they didn't know how to forecast or do certain things. And I helped them. And one day one of them said to me, but Tracy, we're doing all of this and we're presenting. And I said, do you know what? My job is to make you shine. When you shine and you're doing really well, then I'm doing my job. And that's exactly the same in procurement. Your job is to make the people across the business shine and the business shine as well as that business partner. Um, uh, in terms of... In terms of, I um, agree ninety five percent. I want to hear that five percent, Kirsty. What's the five percent? Um, I, yes, I agree that we're there to make other people shine. But I see, I take my role very seriously as a procurement practitioner. It's about helping you get the absolute best out of that investment that you're going to make. It's about saying to you, for every pound that you invest in that product or service, you're going to get one pound seventy nine back. It's about how are we going to get there? 
how are you going to do your job in a way that you still have a job in 12 months time because you've acted appropriately you've acted within the guidelines of the business it, it's it's much more I hate the word support function you all know this I hate the word back office function we are much more than that we are an evolved profession with a vast array of skill set um so yes well I like all of the business partner you know we have an opportunity to shine ourselves we are actually there to save the business money and to get the best value so when procurement say we spend the money so from your um point about old-fashioned procurement we spend the money well that money's not yours procurement it's not your budget it's, it's not for procurement to go and spend anybody's money because that's not your budget what it is for you to do is go and give some counsel and to give some guidance and to give some alternatives and to show you that there are maybe four ways of doing something instead of your very tunnel visioned one way because as an engineering manager or an ops director you've always done things in one way so I still say our role is like I see us as facilitators that that's what we do we join the dots across the business so yes letting people shine but also showing people there's a different way of doing things. I would, I would just add to that as well. I think I, I totally agree with that, Kirsty. I think one of the big factors at the moment of candidates in the market being disengaged with their current employers is they're not being involved in the conversation. Mm. So the CPO is very much driving that narrative with the board. But actually, when it starts going down into the cash game managers and the buyers, you know, they're kind of leaning on going, do we need to spend that money? You know, to your point earlier, Kirsty, around that spend categorization, or sorry, could be to think it you might be you that said it, and actually how you prioritise that, they are most like, you know, they've got the great uh, biggest visibility and the biggest insight into what that specific subcategory are buying and spending and how they can actually, are they needed at the moment? Can they look at more of a local supplier or, or whatever that may look like? And actually that engagement piece is getting lost. So procurement are fighting the good fight, the CPO, the procurement director, the procurement leadership, whatever, but actually their team aren't being involved in that conversation. Actually for us, we're seeing that as the biggest disengagement in, in today's market. So it's a bit of a watch out while we're dealing with this price volatility. So it's just a bit of a watch out for those listening that are in leadership roles. Don't lose sight of your team and the value that they can also give to that conversation. So totally. just thinking then, um, and going back to obviously considering obviously the inflation and what we're facing, what are the top three things that you would be saying I'd be interested in me as a finance director right now. Who wants so, to take <laughs> <laughs> million pound question. So from procurement to finance, what, what yeah, should we be Just curious as to your view on that, if you don't mind. I, I think I think there's a bit of marketplace expertise that procurement could be bringing to that. So there, there is, a, I guess, an understanding of, you know, potentially in some areas, what's the... What's the sort of the should cost? Where what are the the price components that are making up some of this? Because I think, you know, I think as we said, everyone's in a similar position. So it's not like we could just turn around to finance and say we're actually we can keep costs level this year. There's going to be there's going to be some sort of uh, some sort of increase there. So I think as you say, setting expectations, there's making sure that there's no no surprises uh, later on down the road. But um, but obviously doing as as much as we can to mitigate mitigate those increases and doing it in quite a strategic way so that because there are things that are in demand that are really driving um you know a lot of a lot of businesses costs and and some of those we i guess we need to be investing in those and then there's other things which are more commoditized which we could probably um you know, be negotiating on a little bit harder that are more more tactical 
so so yeah i guess it's showing where the where, where we're focusing the efforts and making sure that um that we're making the reductions in the right place but yeah it's uh, as you say it's all about communication and and uh, yeah that's an, an important area I think going back to what Kirsty said as well, giving finance the different options, you know, what are, it, it isn't always necessary, let's go and do a competitive tender, you know, do we do we look at single sourcing, do we look at frameworks, do we look at collaboration, do we completely innovate, do we stop, do we not just do that anymore and, and pivot, so I think it's, it's coming up with different options. Yeah, because one of the challenges that we're facing at the moment is there's only so far you can push your prices up before you start, your customers start to switch off, they start to go and look at cheaper solutions and once they've gone, they've gone. So we have to judge it. There's so much you can put through to your customer, but you can't be in a position with your contracts where you're stuck with all the risk. So there is gonna be a point where we're sat going, those are the prices, we can't really do much else about it because we have to keep the customers on board. So we as finance are gonna be going, we've got to save some money, we've got to cut costs. The last thing we want to do is cut headcount. That is really it. And I think that's a real danger of where businesses are heading. If procurement can't get either those price stability or price reductions, you know, um, non-financial, you know, benefits like contra deals or anything like that, or making sure we're the number one person, we're going to be left with no choice but to start looking at redundancies. And I think that is a really big fear as we go into the rest of this, you know, current calendar year, yeah. what is going to happen with people? Because you have to add into the equation here that, you know, businesses have got a national insurance increase, you know, employees have got a national insurance increase, the tax banding, you know, for a personal allowance has been frozen you know, train prices are crazy. Food prices are crazy. At some point, something has to give. And businesses as well, those who've got their own buildings, they don't have a price cap because the price cap only protects the consumer. So I do worry from a finance perspective that come later on this year, are we going to see, and not necessarily every business, but in some businesses, we're either going to see headcount reductions, offshoring, or some businesses making it through COVID and actually realising they're stuck between a rock and a hard place because they can't sell in the UK and source in the UK because somebody's managed to secure something which is half the quality and a fraction of the price from the other side of the world. Mm. Uh, this is a question actually I was going to ask Martin, which was around, the, around what we're seeing from a a wage inflation point of view because we've obviously we've been talking about a lot of the supplier inputs here but there's obviously as we spoke about last week there's a talent shortage there's uh, inflation coming in from from wages so what what are you saying yeah and i i i i mean on tracy's comment there i mean i think um it'd be clearly counterintuitive if any organization looking to slash procurement but i understand your point around the wider sort of employee um headcount i mean look massive wage inflation i mean Clearly, that's not just exclusive to the procurement employment market here in the UK and indeed across the across the world. Um, we're seeing probably up to 30 percent inflation potential wages. You know what we were paying, you know, circa sort of 30 to 60 K for entry level up to sort of procurement manager level roles there. People are looking for even more. It's a perfect storm we've had, haven't we? We've had Brexit. We've had COVID. We've got the war going on in Ukraine. But all these other things that are outside, unfortunately, the control of 
of of, of consumers um and and therefore procurement people are talent shortage from last week's conversation that in addition to inflation in prices they want more money to to earn to to offset that cost for their shopping and their bills so it's the perfect storm um which has created this so yeah we, we're seeing as i say 20 to 30 percent um what wage increases um or, or demands i should say from a candidate point of view some clients are kind of going with that some aren't some are looking at other ways around sort of bonus structures and pensions and work from home hybrid working it's not all about the, the physical cash for people which is why it's even more important that they're being included in the conversations with their business and actually have thing professionally incentivized because i think most organizations now are doing the hybrid working or having some level of flexibility they've gone with the the kind of 2022 sort of work pattern that most of us are seeing. And I think that needs to sort of stay. Um, but, you know, money, money money makes the world go around, right? And that's really important for candidates. And they know if they know they're in demand as well, they can even be even more confident uh, that they can probably get that in, in the wider market. So it, it, it's the most, 13 years of doing this procurement group, it's the most challenging it's ever been. So it's great on one hand, we've got lots of jobs to work, but it's irrelevant if the, you know, the salaries are skewed with, with what the market's saying. I think there's a yeah. lesson there as well. You were just saying about, you know, our person, Tracy, you alluded to this earlier in like, you know, we're looking at our budgets and our household budgets in our personal lives and we're getting rid of things that, you know, we're just buying for the sake of buying or we've had on a repeat subscription and we're not using. There's a piece there, again, it comes back to the conversation, collaboration, all of that. But, you know, it's getting our operational owners and our stakeholders to go through their actual purchases within their functions and think, okay what's a critical buy so example if i take sales and marketing because that's the space that i was last in it would be things like subscriptions and publications and do we need to be doing all of this charity do, you know do we pick one and focus on them where are we spreading ourselves thin if we've got retailers for, from a manufacturing perspective if we've got retailers expecting us to put on huge sparkle days well it does that sit with our values at the moment we've got people who are really struggling to live and we're going to go and do a sparkle day or, or whatever we want to call it with a supplier and spend 50 grand on that to get our product through the door again you know that isn't us directly influencing but it's sort of educating our stakeholders and the wider business to think differently about the money that they are spending so that you know procurement can focus on the true cost savings that they can but we have a responsibility and a shared responsibility to sort of get rid of the things that aren't serving any purpose definitely i think that leads on to what you said earlier about sustainability so thinking about reusing furniture reusing laptops all of that you know where it's a lower cost point but again it can help meet your sustainability target so there is there is definitely opportunity there to do things differently um, and going back to the conversation around transparency and supplier relationships. Is this a time now where you potentially share your pipeline with your suppliers so that you can plan together? You know, there's going to be a peak, well, they should know your business, but you know, there may be a peak coming up at Christmas or there may be, you know, there's a new huge contract that we are planning for in six months time. And therefore we need to work together to make sure the supply chain and further down, further down the chain, everybody's ready and prepped, you know, and, and things are going to arrive on time, for example. So transparency i think is, is going to be really key right now between yeah. all parties internal and external there is actually probably nowhere to hide yeah. <laughs> jason, yeah, jason made that comment sorry martin i was just saying jason made that comment about you know is it about time that we partner with suppliers well 
we kind of already should have been doing that because the reality is it needs to be a win-win situation. If you're not in business, then I'm not in business because I'm buying something from you that helps me create a product or a service. I need you to be profitable. I need you to be stable as a supplier. I need you to still be there so that I can do my piece. So again, that comes back to effective supplier relationship management. And I love that could be mm. to like share the pipeline, share your plans with people, you know, let yeah. them know what's coming. We sit here and forecast in this box and do a category strategy. Then let's see what what if we've got a category strategy that involves them, let's bring them into that conversation. So if we want to achieve this. What do you need to achieve that? And how can you support us with that? And how can we then support you? So it's a great comment there from Jason. And I think, you know, one of the things he's always saying is that we're fronting that relationship on behalf of the business, which which I suppose is a step further than than we go. But I think you know, being more involved in the facilitation of that, uh, and as you say, that, that move to more supplier relationships management, which I know a lot of a lot of procurement leaders are, are investing in uh, this year. That's been a, a big priority for a lot of procurement leaders is uh, SRM. So um, yeah, that, that should. But also should data, Rich. I think we've always talked about data and the value of data, but I don't think data has been more important. Than, I mean, it's always important, but it's so critical right now yeah, to have yeah. good data, you know, and and be able to analyze it and scrutinize it. But not just as procurement, going wider. You know, spend data may not be that exciting for other parties, but if if you can spend get that time with operational leads and heads and show them not just what's happening in their category but what the impact is in other categories and spaces as well giving them yeah, that yeah. market knowledge giving that giving that, that that information may help them make some critical decisions going back to what you said Kirsty, about what's a priority what isn't a priority so that when they're innovating they're putting their their products together they're looking to the future that they have all of these considerations um, at, the, at the same time and, and utilize that internal knowledge and expertise, which is hopefully something that we would bring as a procurement team and, and not just relying upon the suppliers as well. You see, yes. I sit here and I listen to this as a finance director <clears throat> and I wish I'd heard this those 10, 15 years ago sat in various corporate companies that sat there thinking, there is somebody who understands the analysis, uh, analysis that I need from all of the data we've got in the finance systems, who can break it down, who can challenge the figures that are coming from the head of production about what he needs to spend. But that knowledge just isn't there. But the way you've just put that forward and what's been said today, it just goes to show to me, this is where you can add value to finance. Because right now what happens is, NFD sits there and it ultimately ends up down to the person who operates the purchase ledger to figure out how to download some data from various accounting systems and look at it in terms of what was categorized into legal, how much would we spend on DHL or various bits. But it's done from a finance perspective, from a finance system, not from a step back strategic buying perspective. So having FDs educated into what you can do for them to help them go forward, I think would be invaluable. And sometimes it is that state the obvious and the FDs are the people where those questions and conversations really need to happen because I've actually been enlightened today. So thank you. <laughs> can I just make a point on supplier engagement? Because you guys obviously mm. come this from a practitioner point of view. And what you're saying is great. And the ideology behind that is fantastic. But commenting from a supplier point of view, from someone that's obviously recruitment agencies fall under the HR category, we are still being driven by cost. And procurement community, just throwing it out there, 
uh, are still asking us, hey, we've got all these jobs for you. We'll hammer your price down, but here's the volume of work. And it's not about that. And we've got to be really careful. I was reading an article today. I won't mention the consultancy that referenced this. Um, I'll read you the well, I'll read you part of the quote that says suppliers will want to invest. Uh, sorry, suppliers will want to survive. So businesses will look at that balance to negotiate with them now on that price. Really dangerous language, proper old school purchasing mm -hmm. language. And I think we need to be really careful that we don't go down the road of, route of, you know, we'll keep you engaged as a supplier, um, but we're going to drive down your cost by 10%. To, to, to Kavita's point earlier, those real critical suppliers and using that data behind it to know who your critical suppliers are, you should be working really close to them. I agree with your point around transparency, but actually for the flip side for us, we're still seeing it as we'll give you some jobs to work, but we're going to hammer you down on 5 10% yeah. on your price. We're still seeing that all the time. But hey, you've I got jobs to work. And it's a I really, think, yeah, it's a really relevant point. No, 100% agree with you. And I, and I think this is what's going to be really interesting over the coming years is we're seeing more and more procurement tech being driven around AI and machine learning. So mm. data's coming. It's saying, oh, these, are, these supplies are much cheaper than these supplies, and therefore we need to go down this route or whatever. But actually, this human interaction, this relationship piece is going to be critical to really okay. driving down costs. Yeah. It's not just going to be around the data because you need to understand what's what's driving the cost increase and reduction in a yeah. business. And that's only going to happen when you speak to people. And I think okay. that's what's going to be really interesting to see which organizations really adopt, you know, a, a, a AI or, or, or machine learning end to end and which organizations choose to just have it as part of their toolkit. And understand their pain pressures, understand their pressures as well, because we're yeah, all business absolutely. owners. We all have our, we've all had our price increases on our office space and our staff and tech costs, et cetera, et cetera. So we're feeling that pain as well. And, and I think engaging with our suppliers and asking them, how are you? What's the pain pressures for you personally? Just allows you to collaborate a lot more with them. And, you know, I think they'll really see the value from that, which I think we've all made that point today. Are you still hearing a lot of people um, talking about, you know, oh, well, you're our tier two preferred supplier or we'll put you on our preferred supplier list if you go down to these rates. Is that something that you're still hearing lots of noise on? Absolutely. Yeah, all the time. It's the dangle the carrot to say, but we'll be engaged on the PSL. What does that mean? It means you're on a standardised rate, high payment term, you know, not really good payment terms, rebates, et cetera, et cetera. So the commercials aren't there. We're actually far better sometimes to have spot business to support on a certain solution, a certain problem, uh, as, as a as a I don't know what you call it second tier or not even that just some yeah. spot business yeah. deliver that and then and move on yeah. we've had some really great engagement with that we can then circle back and have the conversation in 12 months or when appropriate mm -hmm. but yeah it's not just a default we want to be on all the PSLs under the sun to get the engagement um, that doesn't always work interestingly as well I think PSLs are um, I think PSLs work but I think they're quite category specific so I think yeah. it depends yeah. what area you're in and I think um in the professional services space, which is where you would sit, Martin, from a buying perspective, I've not really seen successful PSLs because there's too much of a human element to what okay. you're delivering. So it's very hard to quantify some of the service. So there has to be agility there. They're absolutely yeah, and they can be fixed. You know, nothing's fixed. And I think the more agility there is in PSLs, the better. Yeah, um, I agree. And this goes back to diversity and supply chain and all of that great stuff. As One well. of the things as well from finance that we are we're also struggling with and I've got it with a number of clients at the moment is trying to buy product from new suppliers even though you've got a good credit you know you've got a good credit history you know from a business perspective 
You've got, you know, suppliers who will give you um, references. You've then got these businesses who have you hanging because you're dependent upon absolutely something critical they can provide. And yeah. every time you order something for £200, oh, here's a pro forma, here's a pro forma. And it is one of my biggest bugbearers that we just need maybe a £5,000 credit limit to buy these small um, antigens needed for experiments that need to be ordered, that need to be in the lab so experiments aren't ruined. And yet they will not seem to budge on it. And from a finance perspective, it's frustrating, it's more work. But then also if I flip into sort of standing further up and looking at how the business is protected, I'm worried if they won't budge from a pro forma, how do I know that they're not in some kind of financial trouble? And I think this whole pro forma basis from suppliers really sets the wrong scene with companies. And I'm just curious as to your experience of that, because I think we might see more companies go down this route to get working capital into the business to cope with these price increases. It's a good, it's a good point. Yeah. And we're seeing that. Uh, I, I think they need to be more agile with that. It's not, I think it's lazy actually when they're doing that approach is my opinion. Uh, it shows they've got too much volume of work to do. So they're just doing the tick box and you all get sent to standardize. That, that's my view. That's how I'm seeing it. Maybe I'm looking at it a bit simplistic, but. <laughs> So You're looking at it time. from your perspective, Martin, and that, that's all we can ask for. <laughs> we're, uh, we're at time. We did, there was one question we didn't get around oh. to, which I just wanted to ask. It was for Martin specifically. Um, are you seeing new strategic procurement roles which are focused on category management and cost saving, or are they process-driven fulfilling purchase requests? So is it more strategic procurement or...? Well, I hope it's the former, not the latter. I mean, yeah, certainly a lot more roles are, are strategic category management. I think we've shifted a little bit away from being specific category experience, you know, in, in certain areas. I think IT and marketing, which we talked about last week, there's a bit of a nuance there that you sometimes need that technical knowledge. But I think generally speaking, cost savings should be a given. If you're hiring into a procurement team, they should have had a background of an experience of delivering cost savings. I think we just take that as a bit of a given now. But I think it's much more around... Do you understand the ESG agenda? Are you showing innovation with your suppliers and what you're doing? Um, have you got agility to work across different categories? We're always encouraging that. I know something Kavita we spoke about before. You know, so I think they're the, they're the metrics there. But yeah, most job specs now we read are showing that strategic procurement. I think that process-driven sort of purchase order type request is outdated. And um, there's very few businesses now, to be fair, in the UK that are having that approach. Great. Okay, well, that was a brilliant conversation. Thanks to everyone. Thanks, to Tracy, special guest for joining us. Uh, really you. appreciate your insight. Uh, and I, I don't know, is, is anyone uh, at the procurement and supply event this week? Virtually. Virtually. We're I'm, there. I'm, I'm there in person. Oh, uh, see you tomorrow so for drinks, Rich. <laughs> well, I'm come, yeah, I'll come for the drinks tomorrow, but yeah, I'm there on Thursday specifically. Amazing. Cool. I'll be there virtually. Enjoy. <laughs> Great. Thanks, everyone, for joining. Uh, do like and share and join us next time for another procurement conversation. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye.